Growth Igniters Radio, episode 15, The Art and Science of Accelerating Trust. This episode is brought to you by Business Advancement Incorporated, enabling successful leaders and companies to accelerate to their next level of growth. On the web at businessadvance.com. And now, here's Pam and Scott. Thanks, Chris. I'm Pam Harper, founding partner and CEO of Business Advancement Incorporated. And with me is Scott Harper, my business partner and husband. Hi, Scott. Good morning, Pam. How are you today? Just wonderful. It's terrific yeah. to be here. And if this is your first time listening out there, the purpose of Growth Igniters Radio is to spark new insights, inspiration, and immediately useful ideas for leaders to take themselves and their companies to the next level of success. And Pam, I have two words for you about today's episode. Trust me. Well, okay. I do. <laughs> but then we've had decades together to build that trust. That's true. And incidentally, happy anniversary. Happy anniversary. But I don't think that you should try that on somebody who doesn't know you very well. And here's the thing. If you consider the dozens or even hundreds of personal interactions that we have that are essential to doing business, building strong trust and building it quickly yep. uh, can go a long way towards accelerating successful business outcomes. Well, you're right about that. And today, though, it's really made more difficult by the fact that people have to create trusting relationships of all kinds across an ever-widening array of cultures and organization types, <laughs> the be bewildering array of uh, technologies uh, at that. And this can lead to all kinds of not talking to each other about issues that should be talked about, you know, elephants in the room. And if that happens, you've got what? Confusion, conflict, delays, missed opportunities can be all a real drag on top and bottom line results. Yes. And that's why we're delighted to have our friend Judith E. Glazer with us once again to delve into the art and science behind this very challenging question. Uh, Judith is CEO of Creating We and is the award-winning author of the best-selling books Creating We and Conversational Intelligence, How Great Leaders Build Trust and Get Extraordinary Results. Judith, welcome back to Growth Igniters Radio. I'm thrilled to be back today, especially to talk about one of my favorite subjects, trust. It's quite a big topic. In fact, the last time we spoke with you uh, was a con about conversational intelligence in episode three. And you mentioned that this was the thing that really got to us. On meeting someone, it takes only 0.07 seconds. See, we remember this. For our brains and bodies <laughs> to form an initial impression about the person and whether we feel we can trust them. So here's the question. If it happens that quickly, why does it why do it why do we perceive that building trust takes so long? Uh, there's not one person I've talked to who doesn't believe that trust is something that we all need in all of our relationships, whether it's family, whether it's uh, friends, whether it's work. It's it's a code word for I'm willing to be transparent with you, open up with you, bring you into my inner circle. I mean, it has so many meanings. It's like one word that represents what it's all about. It's about being able to have a relationship that you can turn to that person and know that they're not going to hurt you, they're not going to harm you, that they have your best interest at heart. 
but again, I don't understand. Uh, it seems like so many people that I speak with, that we speak with on a frequent basis are saying, I wish we could accelerate trust building. Accelerate is the word. They all, you know, everyone knows there's a lot you have to go through. Why does it seem such like such a slow process? Well, it, I don't know if it's, it, it may be slow because people are testing the waters with trust all the time. And so you can test it in different ways. So yeah. what what you're saying is uh, we can test trust, but it seems like there are probably multiple levels of trust. So when someone says, I wish I could build trust more quickly, they're probably talking about that sh more open sharing the things that really get us to working together most effectively. So there aren't these elephants in the room kind of lurking in the corners that everyone knows are there but aren't talking about. Yeah, transparency is the first part of trust that I think every time I go into companies and talk about this topic, people, uh, right, what, how do we put the real issues on the table? I don't want to have you thinking about that you don't like me or thinking about I've done something bad and not giving me a chance to work on it with you. I want to be able to trust you will say to me, this is the issue, this is the challenge, and let's do something about it. So it's that kind of transparency that when people talk about elephants in the room or straight talk, there's clients of mine that have created these buttons that you put in the middle of the table. And when you start a meeting, everybody bangs the button that says, tell the truth, uh -huh. or straight, you know, or straight okay. talk, right? right? We're going to start uh -huh. the meeting this way. Mm -hmm. um, because it, it it is hard. There's some people that I want to be able to just talk to and not tell anybody else what I'm telling this person, like my best friend who I've had for 40 years. Mm -hmm. I want to be able to go out with her and tell her things. We have a special type of trust. It's not the kind of trust that I, I, I don't even want to tell what I told her to anybody else. It's almost right. like, mm -hmm. so, so some people are our special, special, special trust partners. And then I think there are other people that are another level of trust and then we'll mm -hmm. share other things with. So I think what I guess I'm saying, Scott, is that and, and Pam is that trust is not a simple yes or no. It doesn't happen overnight, although with some people you could make it, but it's a, it's a conversation that I'm so thrilled people are putting on the table so every company and every relationship can figure out what trust looks like for them so that in those relationships, people are doing what they need to do to really create trust, not just to talk about it, but to create it. Okay, so let's go back to that 0.07 seconds, because that really stuck in my mind. I get this first impression, and bang, you know, I get this gut feeling. Uh, how accurate is that? And if I unintentionally make an impression on someone that kind of makes them a little uneasy, can I take it back? Mm -hmm. The question is, how is it 100? If I get it in 0.07 seconds, which is very fast, yeah. <laughs> is do, is that a truism about that person that I hold at a 100% at level all the time? Or is it just in the moment? I'm kind of translating a little bit, you know, is it just mm -hmm. in the moment for that, that time? Or is it forever? Um, and I think that people get into trouble when we give 100% trust forever, forever. It's kind of like a hope and a wish. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But but because 0.7 seconds, because we get activated every time we meet them, I really do think that our body wants to double check hmm. and triple check, you know, and check in and see, is it still the case? Because so many things go on in our life every day that can challenge the trust equation. And, right. right. And there's a lot of research that says that people that give it 100% can often get into trouble because they mm -hmm. stop using their, their real true surveillance to check it mm -hmm. out 
to check it I, out. I suppose the opposite is true for if you withhold that trust mm-hmm. uh, 100%, and that could be just, just as wrong, right? Just just as wrong and even more debilitating. Ah. Because, even more debilitating. Um, again, human beings need... Do you know that even animals play trust games with each other? No kidding. Wow. Yes. Yep. That's... Yep. That's amazing, but I guess in one sense we all share certain commonalities with animals in in that way. We need to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll talk more with Judith E. Glazer, CEO of Creating We, about a story that she has uh, that illustrates the art and science of accelerating trust and about some animals, too. So stay with us. You're listening to Growth Igniters Radio with Pam Harper and Scott Harper, brought to you by Business Advancement Incorporated on the web at businessadvance.com. Subscribe to the Growth Igniters community by going to growthignitersradio.com and clicking the Join Our Community button in the upper right corner. This will let us send you weekly updates that will add value to each episode. You'll get easy access to each episode's play button, show notes, guest bio, and links to resources mentioned in the episode. Welcome back to Growth Igniters Radio with Pam Harper, that's me, and Scott Harper. Scott and I are talking today with Judith E. Glazer, CEO of Creating We, about accelerating the process of building trust that's so critical in every aspect of business. Judith, how can people find out about your books, about you, about Creating We? Um, We have a website. It's www.creatingwe.com. And that's one place to go to get lots of resources. In addition, we have Another website, which is tied to our book, Conversational Intelligence, which I highly recommend people go to, um, it's, it's www.conversationalintelligence.com. And we have lots of resources and interviews and uh, your interviews up there, by the way. Oh, that's uh, great. <laughs> uh, and, and I really want this people to really start to dig into um, everywhere in the world. I want conversational intelligence to be something that everybody understands because it's, at the heart is what we're talking about today, which is trust. And the world really needs to have a jolt of trust. Absolutely. And you were saying before we broke that uh, even animals play trust yep. games. There's two, two different animal stories. One is that there was some really amazing research done with monkeys. And it was monkeys and bananas, and they were all in a cage together. And the, the uh, people that were doing the experiment gave a banana to one monkey, and there were others sitting there. And the game that they were playing was a trust game, really, because it turns out that when the monkey was willing to share, fairly share their banana with other monkeys that were with them, then they were... In, in the minds of the other monkeys, this person was someone that they respected. When the monkey was one, and they did this over and over again, that would not share their banana with the people, with their friends in some fair way, they felt that they could not trust them to become friends and to be part of the team. And they showed examples of where monkeys actually tossed out the selfish monkey. Oh and my goodness. Didn't, and yeah, they, they threw that. I mean, they really harmed the monkey. They didn't want it in oh, their cage dear. because, right, hmm. trust, they wanted to trust that that monkey would share with them the most important thing, which is food. Isn't wow. that a fascinating? It, it really is. I mean, it, 
I could see people doing some of that. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, exactly. We're voting you off the island. That's right. That's right. So let's take it back over to people now. We've we've learned about the animal kingdom. Um, You know, you have a real live example here that uh, would help us to understand some of the art and science of accelerating trust, right? In the context of business. In the context of business and people in business, right? So. What? How can you explain this to us in in a situation that uh, would be common? And and I'm going to use the monkey story now applied to humans. All right. <laughs> and, okay. Instead of bananas, think of a banana as information in a company. And you have a leader who's a CFO of a company that I've worked with. In fact, I'm sitting in one of the offices in that company now, still working with them. And there, the, C, the CFO would go to meetings with the CEO and the executive team and learn tons and tons and tons of stuff about what was going on in the company. When he would come back to talk with the team, the team felt, and very quickly, all of them felt it because I interviewed all of them, but they felt that he was not fully sharing and disclosing with the team what was really going on in the senior level. And as a result of it, they started to get really paranoid. Um, some picked it up right away and kind of held it in and said, well, maybe he'll talk more later. Mm-hmm. Others started to talk to each other. And quickly, the whole team started to distrust the, the, um, their C- the CFO of giving truth. And they started to actually go around and meddle in the company in different places, trying to find out what was missing. Why? Because they just felt that inability to share on his part. Does that make any sense? Yeah, it, it it sounds like the old story of gossip in the water cooler. And uh, if you don't tell me, I'll make things up. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. And so because not they good. could not, it was not good. And, and it's just something as simple. So to jump forward to what, what I did with them is that I debriefed with the CFO about how this behavior, what this behavior meant to him. Like, why was he doing it? What was going on? in his mind that he didn't feel comfortable enough to share with everybody in, in his team. That's the most important place mm-hmm. where you build trust with your team, right? Because of course. right? they can't strategize unless they have all that important information. Mm-hmm. And, and he said he really didn't feel that he was holding back what, what was happening. He did. He did not feel he was holding back the people felt that he was, he did not, he was not. What he was not saying to them, which is an interesting missing piece of trust, he wasn't saying, look, you know what? Our team doesn't have all the answers. And so what we're doing is we're gonna play this out week by week, month by month. They felt without, and because they didn't ask in the beginning, they made Mm -hmm. assumptions that weren't true, causing distrust on their part for their their boss. And the does that isn't that incredible like on both sides you can't make this up (laughs) you can't make this up you can't make this up you can't make this up and when we everybody got together and they shared and they were transparent about what they were thinking that brought the feeling of distrust to the table all of them had the biggest ahas they've ever had it what the team learned is that they have to continue to ask the boss is there anything else is there something that we're missing instead of assuming that he didn't share to actually ask it in a very open assertive way and he has to also frame up the conversations with them saying i'm going to tell you everything i know and i'm also going to tell you what we don't know so that you see how challenging things Mm -hmm. are for us in the organization so perception is everything and we all get locked into our own way of looking at things and it it creates a certain natural 
uh, distrust at times that we have to learn to adjust to. And you need to, interestingly enough, invest trust to build trust. So, hmm, that can be yep. a challenge. So here's yep. uh, one more challenging situation that is kind of a composite of some things that we've seen. Uh, the names have been changed to protect the innocent. Uh, say you're a new CEO and you're a month or two into your first 90 days of leadership, which we all recognize is really critical. And you've gone on the listening tour. So you've, you've encountered different stakeholders, partners, employees, and you've been talking a lot about your vision and your values and your objectives. And yet the employees just, they don't, they don't seem to be getting off the ground with trust. Uh, not as fast as you want to. Uh, people aren't initi taking initiative, which you've explained is really important to you. And they're not r taking risks for innovation, which you've explained is really important for the company's success. And nobody's complaining. You know, no one's saying, ah, oh, this is terrible. But no one's sharing what's going on. So, I mean, back to the CFO story for you, uh, the similar, okay, you've got, I, I don't think trust is coming around. What do you do about it? And we're going to have to talk about that uh, in some detail as we get into the next segment. Okay, we're going to take another quick break. And when we come back, we'll continue our conversation with Judith E. Glazer about the mystifying case of... Missing trust. That's right. Stay tuned. You're listening to Growth Igniter's Radio with Pam Harper and Scott Harper, brought to you by Business Advancement Incorporated. We enable successful companies to accelerate to their next level of innovation and growth. If you like what you're hearing, spread the good word. Go to growthignitersradio.com and use the share links for Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter at the top right of the page to tell your social media communities all about it. Use hashtag GrowthIgniters. This will help us extend our reach to all the people who can benefit from this series. Welcome back to Growth Igniters Radio with Pam Harper and Scott Harper. Over the last two segments, Scott and I have been talking with Judith E. Glazer, CEO of Creating We, about the art and science of accelerating trust in business and in life in general. Judith, can you tell us a little bit about how we can reach you? Um, I can be reached through my website, uh, conversationalintelligence.com or creatingweed.com. Would love to speak with anybody who's interested. Great. So let's get back to what Scott started, the mystifying case. Of the missing trust. Okay, mm. go for it. <laughs> so I'm gonna, I'm gonna take the example you just gave and I'm actually gonna try out this with you. I'm gonna put a real life situation into what you just described. All right. Um, the the story that you just told was about a CEO who um, went around the company, uh, new CEO, sharing his vision with everyone, and then uh, turned around at some point and all of a sudden realized that uh, something didn't happen that he anticipated would happen. And right. My re right. My read on the situation is that people weren't getting it. That that he trusted them 
to take take charge and to use his vision as a jumping off port, blueprint. so to speak. Yeah. Blueprint, mm-hmm. yeah. And that, that they would then be, begin to deliver on it. And he was really, as a new CEO, there's a, a piece of trust there. You know, I'm going to start out, I'm going to I'm going to give them the messages, and then let me see what my or- organization can do. Well, there was um, actually a little bit of a, a wrinkle here because it was known as a listening tour. Uh-huh. That he yep. was there to listen. So he was trying to get people to talk to him, and mm-hmm. at some level they did. So mm-hmm. best practices and all of that. So if you can superimpose a real-life situation uh, on this, that's probably even better. Yep, and that's what I will do. So in 1999, Jacques Nasser was hired to become the CEO of Ford. And it was a great move. He was highly, highly, highly regarded in the industry. He was not part of the Ford family, but he was really believed to be the person that was going to do the turnaround in that company. And back then, they were in trouble. And so he went around the country, exactly what you were describing, um, doing his tour, meeting with people, talking about his vision, getting people excited. And, And it was true that people said the sessions were quite wonderful. Um, and he watched to see what would happen. And his disappointment level became extraordinarily high. His trust of people and his organization became very low and it became a quandary. So he got on his horse again and went around and started to do the tour again and said, well, this time I just have to tell them more about what I was thinking and make it clear so people don't have any doubts in their mind that they could take it on. And what happened is that things got worse and worse and worse. Mm. And Within a short amount of time, uh, Jacques Nasser was asked to step down as the CEO of Ford, and he was replaced with someone else. So that is a real-life story that in some ways simulates what you were talking about. Yeah, mm-hmm. very much so. And, yep. So here's my uh, deconstruction of what went on, is that too often leaders get into a visionary telling mode. Um, in fact, we have research that shows that vision is the easiest thing for a leader to do because it's them pontificating about what they believe is the future of the company. And at the vision level, um, most people can agree as, yep. as right, that this mm-hmm. is a good direction to go. Right. But as you, as you start to translate vision into strat- goals, strategies, um, accountabilities, action plans, all of those things, that's where complexity starts to step in. Mm-hmm. And just because you have a beautiful vision doesn't mean that you have a team in place or people in place collaborating and co-creating, working together to execute. And there's a lot of work that needs to be done. And this is where company after company after company fail. And when leaders believe with unrealistic expectations that people can translate a telling style of leadership into an action style of uh, getting results, that's where the, the mm. fault lies. It does not sure. happen, right? Most, most leaders do not have conversations. They have vision conversations. Mm. They have mm-hmm. what they call listening conversations are not listening. It's, mm-hmm. it's telling people what they want them to do. And that's why the field of conversational intelligence is becoming more and more important because it's the interaction dynamic, the pattern of engagement that it has to strike a chord inside of people so that what goes back and forth is discovery, it's questioning, it's challenging, it's many multiples of conversations that take people into a place where they're getting more crystal clear about what can work and what can't work, and where you move from expectations to reality. Mm-hmm. And leaders, every great leader at some point must be shocked when they learn this because it's a lesson that they aren't taught in business school, but one that come from the hard knocks of 
understanding that you can't impose trust on people, even if you're the best arter in the world, that the likelihood of not being um, achieving the trust equation in the way you want it to, a trust meaning that people will deliver what I think they should, it mm-hmm. doesn't happen that way. This is this is fairy tale land. This is really right. not how it works in real life. Oh, you you make a very good point. So let's quickly deconstruct this. What uh, are three things that anybody who's listening could uh, get and immediately start to apply right after this call? There's two things. One is that you have to create a space for people to push back and ask questions um, and to expect more space than what you thought you needed because the translation of what's in your head. I talk to leaders about what's called unveiling your strategies. It's a beautiful phrase, unveiling your strategies. In other words, the vision is not enough. You need to go down a couple of levels with people, start to unveil the strategies and then create the space for people to ask questions, to double click on what you're saying. That's a great word that we use. Mm -hmm. And to try to find out what success would look like if that vision were to be becoming true, what are some things that we would see as a company happening? And you start to then create a bridge between a big idea and the reality that needs to be created. It's a beautiful engagement process for leaders. So, okay. And the second thing? And the next thing is to allow for people to speak up and speak about feared implications. Because most of vision has to do with the future. Most of what's now is that I'm, I'm stuck in a pattern that I'm very comfortable with. So there's always disruption. And leaders need to provoke and ask people to say, what are the biggest fears or challenges that you see in moving forward or enabling them to speak up about them? Because that's where people's resistance comes from. That's why a leader will say nothing happened. It's because people were frozen in space. They could mm-hmm. not, the fear, right, of making mistakes or doing right. it wrong with a new leader, right, is, is overwhelming. Well, that's true. How do you create that safe space for them to be able to share that fear? Yeah, I have a wonderful um, leader that I spent many, many, many years working with and um, at Dryers and uh, Edie's Grand Ice Cream. The, he would always um, come into rooms with his people and he'd say, let's talk. And he'd take off his tie, he'd take off his jacket, he'd sit down and he'd lean in and he'd say, what are we working on now? Um, what are the challenges that you're facing? What are the things that you need my help with? He always created a safe space where people could um, expect to ask for help and expect to get help. And that's that's a beautiful relationship because And then, he probably followed through on that and actually gave them what they what they said they needed. Yes, he did. And then he did and then he added something else. When he watched to see if the conversation gave them enough insight to move forward, that he could give them a chance to, to and trust them to produce some results. And he would always say in the meeting, did you have enough conversation to feel comfortable to move forward? And then if people had more questions, they'd ask. And then when he finally thought that they were, they they knew enough, he'd say, you know what? It's time. You decide. He said, I'm going to, it's now your turn. You decide. You decide how to do it. You decide. We have had lots of talk. And he always trusted people at that point because he knew that the conversation was rich enough to answer a lot of the fear questions that would often get in the way. And I loved him for that. That's Gary Rogers from Dryers and Edie's Grand Ice Cream. He's actually in um, my book called The DNA of Leadership. He, there's mm. a whole chapter about him and how he how he does that. We'll That's wonderful. That and so what he was doing was he was signaling listening in multiple ways, not just yep. with his words, but with his actions. And he was also yep. signaling trust. So you give trust and you get trust back. Is that what you're saying? That's right. That's All right. right. That's right. 
Yep, well, exactly. This is a wonderful topic, and Judith, thank you so much for shedding light on it. Uh, any last thoughts about accelerating trust? Um, I think that trust starts from the very beginning a child is born. And um, the more people learn how to deal with trust, and when trust doesn't happen, the less distrust we have in the world. And the more people can have the kind of conversations we were just talking about in this segment um, from the time you're very young, because there's always gaps between what I hope will happen and what might happen based on real circumstances. That's life. So that's the wisdom is that reality gaps exist between our aspirations and reality. Finding ways to talk about it in a healthy way is probably the healthiest, most important thing that human beings can do together. Trust is the golden thread that keeps us together. So let's keep pulling on it in good ways with each other. That's wonderful. That is wonderful. Thank you, Judith. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Okay. Well, on that note, thank you all for listening to Growth Igniters Radio with Pam Harper and Scott Harper. To check out resources related to today's conversation, access Judith Glazer's bio, share on social media, or open a conversation with us, go to growthignitersradio.com and select episode 15. Until next time, this is Pam Harper and Scott Harper wishing you continued success and leaving you with this question to discuss with your team. What can we start doing more of and start doing less of to accelerate trust in our company? Growth Igniters and Growth Igniters Radio are service marks of Business Advancement Incorporated. All Growth Igniters Radio episodes are copyrighted productions of Business Advancement Incorporated, intended for the private use of our audience. Except as otherwise provided by copyright law, all other uses, including copying, editing, redistribution, and publication without prior written consent of Business Advancement Incorporated, are prohibited. All rights reserved.